welcome to Fusion and Hockey Podcast, the only podcast called Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Maybe you've noticed that my voice sounds bad. It's because I'm using my internal laptop mic. My my USB microphone that I typically use, it typically sounds good. It's it's so over with him. It's He's so dead. <laughs> we're done. We're yeah. done. We were trying because this week we are back to recording uh, virtually. And we thought, actually what you had theorized was that that would make it easier to like know when the mic has disconnected. But actually it also means that when the mic has disconnected, it is 10 times harder to reconnect and still be able not only to record but hear each other. So it just, it's not worth it. So bad sound quality. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. And to top these, I'm like, I'm in a, I have my mic is working, um, but I'm also in a bad setting. I'm in a, I'm in a room. Uh, so true. McGill Music Department put me, I've put myself in one of their rooms and it's maybe the worst acoustically, acoustic room I've, I've been in a while um, to record. I think it's the second worst. And uh, yeah, I expected better. McGill Music Department. There's a reason I came to the music department to record, and uh, it really isn't working out. It's so fucking echoey. I can even hear myself through my earbuds, the echo. It's terrible. Yeah, to all the McGill music students listening, we're sorry you have to go through that. Yeah, get yourself some better practice rooms, or at least like install some soundproofing or some shit. You know, like the, the sound-absorbing shit. There's none of that. It's just Yeah, just hang up a carpet. Honestly, it's just bare walls. And like big glass window, it's it's as bad as it can get. Um, there's there's mm. literally nothing in here other than like the soft seat cushions to absorb noise. Um, it really is all just hard surfaces, and uh, yeah, just terrible design. It's also just like a long rectangle too, strangely shaped room. Um, it's really small, and uh, yeah, the glass window's too big. Someone just walked by the big glass window and gave me some sort of stare, uh, and uh, yeah, not great. I never liked yeah, that. Six on ten. Four. Was it a music student glaring at you for not uh, be doing music? Yeah, for not practicing my music in a group study room. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was a real, it was a real glance down. It's okay. I'll survive. Mm. You know who else is gonna survive? Ooh. Shohei Otani. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah, this was an interesting thing. Even to me. Yeah. So you heard you heard about the baseball thing. Um, oh, I sure I sure did. I heard about. I know I know about Shohei Otani. I I know that he's the greatest baseball player that's ever lived. Sure. Yeah. And now he's 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 got a contract that's worth more than the entire first day of NHL free agency <laughs> this year combined. Yeah. So that is a true fact. No kidding. Um. Ten, yeah, yeah. I kind of wanted to start by talking about this because it's a a major sports story. Right. You know, we'll every now and then dabble into the rest of the world right and why not this is a, this is a banger um so yeah where do, where do, so i guess we'll start with the contract details 10 years 700 million dollars uh total just insane shit now most of that is deferred you know so they can yeah what jesus that's that's ridiculous <laughs> ridiculous in what sense please anyway, why, why do you I'll find you it finish. ridiculous cap circumvention uh, well or? it's ridiculous in the sense that well i think it's a case with many you know professional athletes who are a very unique kind of worker in the sense that many of them are rich including obviously Shohei Otani is very rich so it's sometimes not easy to I think it's a combination of it's not easy for them to kind of see that they 
are a worker and they should be getting the money that they're earning, you know. And at the same time, they just they com- have com- have complete blinders on when it comes to any kind of semblance of oh, what I'm doing is work and I have a boss and all they are focused on is I've got to do what it takes to win the baseball tournament, you know. Right. And and especially when someone is already making millions starts to give less and less of a shit about how many, you mm-hmm. know, which allows the owners to exploit them even further. And and uh, then, you know, you so then you get to the point where in 10 years, you know, assuming Major League Baseball still exists, who knows at that point, a lot can change in 10 years, then that's when he's getting, uh, what, he's getting like $680 million all in like a one-time payment. No, I think they're spreading that out over 10 years, yeah. I think that, that was... Oh, are you serious? Yeah, that was... Oh, that's that's so much worse. It is. That's a, yeah. That is so much worse. Absolutely. Um, yeah. He's uh, so. So the reason for this is, uh, you know, he wants to help the team win. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So they because I think the way this works is because they deferred it and he's getting no interest on this deferral. Um, like they calculate the present value of the contract not as like seven hundred million, but as four hundred sixty million, um, which, you know is an indication that he may be getting ripped off. You know, he's in terms of actual value because he's not getting interest on the money uh, and that's going to be paid out in fucking 10 to 20 years from now. Um, He's he's making a lot less than $700 million what it's worth today. Anyways, um, but yeah, because that that present value is lower, they they don't have a salary cap. They have like the luxury luxury tax that adds up. And so it only counts $46 million every year on the luxury luxury tax threshold and whatnot. Um, So they can build a better team. Um, but that completely ignores the fact that you can spend unlimited amounts of money in baseball. You know, yeah, there's a luxury tax, but what team does he play for? He plays for the fucking Dodgers. They have unlimited money. All right. The luxury tax, you know, yeah, okay, sir, you have to pay a bit more to get the best players, but fuck, they have, they, they have money coming out of their ass. All right. And so this concept of him, you know, he's getting ripped off. All right. This concept of, okay, oh, no, no, the team is poor. The team needs more money. <laughs> This way to pay for more players. Yes. This 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 way he can surround himself with better players. He tells himself, um, even though he, he could fully acquire those players if he got paid seventy million dollars this this year and for the next ten years. You know. Um, you know, actually, I think if the Dodgers don't win a World Series during the next ten yeah. years, it's Shohei Otani's fault for not deferring even more of the contract. I don't. It's it, it's at this point, it's barely even possible to defer anymore. Um, was it like ninety? Yeah, he could. He could. Why doesn't he play for free for the next ten years, exactly. and then he'll they'll just give him all the money at the or end, or just get he gets no money at the end at all. He gets no money. Period. Why doesn't he just play for free? Um, yeah, if everyone really wants to win, why don't they all just make no money? <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, nevertheless, he made that money. Do we want to talk about that whole like the the day before he signed? Um, there was a big, big commotion going on on, on especially can- Canadian. Oh, the whole Twitter. Toronto. Yeah, yeah, the whole Toronto bit. Any thoughts on that? That was a whole that was a whole well, frenzy. People obviously were, people were keeping tabs on that all day. There was a friend. I mean, I'm not super clear on the details. I think basically like. Someone said he was on a plane to Toronto, which turned out to be not true. Is that more or less yeah, where the whole hollow so, so, comes from? Yeah, so there were, there were reports, um, various reports over the course of the day uh, where, you know, I was like, oh, he's flying to Toronto for a visit. Oh, it's actually the agreement's done, you know, and he's coming here to, you know, the, and then there's an announcement. So there's also like little details, right? There was, there was rumors that there was a press conference that was going to be at 6 p.m., 
you know, that didn't happen. But, you know, people thought, oh, that's the press conference to, uh, you know, announce Shohei Otani and he's flying in for the press conference and that's the deal. Uh, other rumor was, um, so basically there's this other Japanese baseball player who plays for the for the, the Blue Jays already, um, and he, you know he's supposedly like Shohei Otani's like idol. Like he went to Shohei went to like this guy's uh, high school because he idolized him so much. Um, and uh, yeah, someone someone reported that this guy had made a fifty person reservation at this fancy ass restaurant in Toronto um, that night. And people were like, "Ah yes, this is to celebrate Shohei's Shohei's arrival to Toronto. He's gonna meet with his idol and they're gonna have a big dinner together." Um, and then yes, the crux of it was. There's, there's this plane that's coming from Anaheim uh, to Toronto and, and everyone thinks he's on it's a private jet whatnot and everyone was on like flight tracker and shit looking out at that and yeah that's that's the gist of it okay there's, that's there's a lot more part of that than a lot more parts to that than I thought there were yeah but uh, it was really swirling it was really like a chaotic day everyone was everyone was all over it you know everyone was like Everyone was really jumping on the hype train. I think it was also fueled by the fact that the MLB media, like the MLB official Twitter, like posted some shit, you know, like eyes emoji yes, or some the, shit. Yes, that's okay. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay, because this pissed me off when I saw it. I don't remember what it was, but there was some reporter, or I don't remember who, after the whole thing had calmed down and Otani had signed with the, the Dodgers, that was basically like, the Otani-Toronto debacle is a good lesson for fans not to get too caught up in the crazy rumor mill and it's like what are you talking about the the official mlb account and all the most trusted reporters what do you expect we're gonna leave that it's the it's all the fans fault for getting excited about about all the trusted insiders and literally the major league baseball twitter account pointing you towards telling you to get excited about something <laughs> give me a break Boo. Honestly, Boo and, thumbs down. and that's our job, isn't it? Like to, to get riled up over these rumors. Like you know, that's a whole that's, yeah. that's a whole bit. That's a whole you know, it's a whole aspect of being a fan. Take this as a lesson, sports fans. Never get excited. You got played for fools, you morons. Yeah. Yeah. By us, and it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, I saw a bunch of like hand wringing, uh, like you know, like you know, insiders sniping at each other too. You know, like uh, you know, we got to be more careful with these rumors and whatever the fuck. And it's like. Oh, Jesus Christ. I feel like... Well, because the whole big thing nowadays is every insider trying to be first right. rather than trying to be accurate. Which, when it really... Like, no one really cares if you're first, do they? Like, maybe it, it, it gives... Uh, I guess it's more of a thing that insiders care among themselves, like, on who's the best insider. Um, but, like, even, even, like, the other when, like, it was announced... Yeah, I think it was Jeremy Rutherford was like, Yakov Rana is about to be on waivers. Then two o'clock comes and Elliot Friedman is like, Yakov Rana is not on waivers. And he wasn't on waivers till the next day. Uh-huh. And people were kind of rolling their eyes like, okay, come on. Like, what does it, it's, cause it's becoming a bit of a trend now across sports. I yeah. think that, that insiders are really ready to jump the gun. Um, and it's going to start decreasing, not just their credibility, but the credibility of, insiders in general yeah i you know it's been a big it's become a bit of a grimy business i gotta say the insider life i've seen especially in base in basketball was it the two guys that are shams and, and woge um yeah they're you know i i saw i remember reading an article about there's a lot of you know like underhanded tactics going on there in terms of you know because they get really really close to these you know executives team staff members and you know when, and and so you know in return for this information you get some, you know, you get an exchange in return. They maybe compromise a lot of their journalistic integrity. Where you know, when you have, you know, some 
you know, when bad shit happens, these, these insiders, you know, because they're in the pockets of these executives and whatnot, um, they won't report on it or they'll put a, an awfully forgiving yeah. spin on a lot of shit um, that maybe shouldn't get that kind of spin. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, you can, you know, think about what happened with the, the Blackhawks over the years. A lot of people were calling out all kinds of insiders. That's 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 what it is. That's exactly how it works. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. That was, that was Shohei Otani. Oh, speaking of insiders. Toronto. Yeah. Here's actually before we get into uh, our team of the week, which is related to the Los Angeles and that it's the LA Kings. I think it's relevant now to bring up the other thing I wanted to bring up, which I didn't tell sure. you about. Yeah. About insiders. Uh. Did you okay. see this little excerpt that was going around from Jordan Tutu's book? I think so. Uh, yeah, that rings a bell. But r- remind me what it was. This is what it says. And I'm reading this from a picture on Mike Camito's Twitter account. This is from Jordan Tutu's book. When I wasn't claimed by anyone, I went to talk to Stan. Uh, this is uh, when Jordan Tutu was with Chicago. And this is Stan Bowen. Hey, look, I said. I did you guys a favor by signing because you were stuck as far as signing another veteran guy. Now it's your turn to return the favor. I'm not going down to Rockford. My wife's pregnant. She's due in February. I'm not moving back and forth with my daughter and my wife. Put me on LTIR and do whatever you have to do in order to make it look right because I'm not going to play in Rockford. End of story. Next paragraph. My shoulder really had been bugging me quite a bit. Stan said, get me an MRI on the shoulder and we'll use that as our out. And so that's what happened. I packed my bags and went down to Rockford for one pregame skate just to say that I was there and that I wasn't ready to play health-wise. Then I went on LTIR and never heard from anybody in the organization for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had to do this quote. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I guess this is, you know, this is the, uh, the what, the, the finally the, the one, like, you know, the story, the, the concrete story that we had that kind of supports what we maybe speculated or Already thought about knew. you know it's the whole LTIR thought uh, the LTIR scheme right all these teams are doing it case in point um you know we see this week John Klingberg who's been playing like dog shit clearly not worth the contract the Leafs gave him um looks like he's out for the season coincidence it was a coincidence that often it's you know the albatross contracts the guy you don't the guy who's it would be awfully convenient if you get their contract off the books they're out for the season clearly not but yeah this is the really the the nail in the coffin in terms of yeah this is this is very much what's happening. This is a way for general managers to get out of it. Because everyone's fucking banged up, right? At the end of the day, um, everyone, you know, you can find some sort of excuse uh, to go on LTIR. And yeah, that, that seems to... And they'd rather do that than play in the, a- the AHL, clearly. Uh, so, yeah. There you go. You have your case study. Yeah. Look at that. And the, the uh, what Mike Camino added was essentially... I'm sure the NHL isn't too thrilled about this. Sorry? What Mike Camito added was, yeah, I'm sure the yeah. NHL isn't too thrilled about this. No, I can't imagine it is. They are. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, it, it, is, it is the first kind of story we've heard of, uh, you know, the first testimonial of someone saying, yeah, this system's kind of a sham. Um, it's, and it's a way for teams to, you know, get out from under the cap and, and, you know, get the cap space back for these players that aren't worth their contracts. Yep. Very interesting. Anyway, let's talk about the Kings now. Yeah, alleged juggernaut. Yeah, I'm ready. Allegedly. Well, yeah, they alleged, you know, they they tell us and then they lose uh, three out of their four games that we watched. Yeah. What's Um, up with that? They sure did. What is up with that? I imagine this is their longest losing streak of the season. Yeah. And we've watched all all of their road losses this season. (laughs) It's true. We certainly have. Because we saw 
first of all, we saw them break the record for most road wins to start a season with 11, beating Montreal 4 nothing last week. Uh, and then the next game, they, that streak ended. And they haven't won on the road since, or won at all since. Now, my main, my first takeaway from this week is that the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade was a mistake. <laughs> it sure seems like that, eh? Oh Which, honestly, <laughs> I remember yeah. at the time, I vaguely remember being not quite as enthusiastic about it as many others were. Um, and I remember thinking, at least, I remember thinking the Jets had done all right, but you disagreed with? Am I remembering this correctly? I don't remember the take. Um, I, I do remember thinking it was a smart move for the uh, the Kings. And you, you know what? Now, now that I say that, it, I, I think I was kind of disappointed by the return um, that went the Jets' way. Yeah. Hmm. Would you still stand by that? <laughs> Early returns indicate otherwise. Um, they certainly it, do. Case, case in point, literally the game where they played each other, right? <laughs> um, to end the yeah. week. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just, you, it, there's, you know, the, I mean, the team has been absolutely rolling, right? The Kings have. Um, but if there's there's one glaring improvement that needs to be made um, based on, you know, what's even up until this point, and especially this week, is that when they, where they're struggling is Dubois needs to take that step forward and, and be an impact maker um, for given, you know, his contract, the stuff they traded for him, um, you know, given how well, you know, Velarde is doing out there with the Jets. Um, yeah. And Kempe was part of that trade too, right? No, no, never mind. I want to Kempe, Ayafalo. Nah, nah, yeah, Ayafalo, that's what it was. Um, oh, actually, <laughs> that is not the first time I've mixed up Adrian Kempe and Alex Ayafalo. I almost really? dropped Adrian Kempe on my fantasy team this year when I had both of them on my team when I was trying to drop Ayafalo. So I'm not... Something about oh, them. That been something fun. about them. <laughs> would have been fun for, you, for everyone else, not me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess we'll start with the first game, a 4 nothing win over Montreal. Uh, more or less the game went how it, how it sounded like. I think Montreal was the better team right out of the gate, but it did yep. not stay that way for long. Uh, Drew Doughty got the first goal about halfway through the period. He starts a rush, a little give-and-go, jams the net, uh, was kind of uncontested by Caden Gooley. And the 2 nothing goal later in the period, Quinton Byfield kind of blows around Caden Gooley. Once again, far side, drives to the net. Uh, it was not a particularly good period for Caden Gooley. Um, but it was a particularly good game for Quentin Byfield. I think he was kind of the standout story player of the game. Even on the broadcast, they were talking about him uh, quite a lot, like even before he scored. And then he ended up getting a second goal in the second period. Got a, a rebound on the, the doorstep on the power play, getting right in the perfect spot at the perfect time. And then Trevor Moore got the fourth goal in the third period. So breakaway goal, made it 4 nothing. Cam Talbot pitches the shutout. And I think you know one of the big takeaways, even in the later games this week where the Kings lost, Quinton Byfield, uh, I took away is really finally starting to look like a, a second overall pick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've I've heard the buzz all season uh, of people saying you know he's he's taking a step forward, and yeah, case in point this week he looks good. Uh, and that that first goal that he scored, I I was like you know that's that's the that's the thing that Josh Anderson always tries to do but you know he ends up like running over the goalie and the puck goes scores wide um but Quinton Byfield has the skill to be able to actually turn the corner with the speed and you know bury it around Montembeau um so I was like yeah that reminds me of Josh Anderson but uh better and actually ended up in a goal Mm -hmm. yeah I mean throughout the weekend right now once again I'm looking at kind of the uh you know the stat page the lines for the the Kings and all that 
And Quentin Byfield, you know, was drafted as a center. The thought was like, oh, this may be like a future top line center. Uh, he has been playing on the left wing on the top line all year. Seems to be going very, very well for him. I think it's certainly not out of the question that he moves back to center at some point, whether it's uh, for an injury or whatever reason. Um, but I also think, especially now that Byfield's doing so well, I'm sorry, I can't stop thinking about how redundant it makes Pierre-Luc Dubois <laughs> and, and how much of a a waste of a, a roster spot and a waste of $8.5 million. Like, that may turn out to be an extreme albatross contract. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but, like, there are... Uh, guess how many players on the Kings are scoring at a higher points-per-game clip than Pierre-Luc Dubois? Oof. Let's say six. The answer is eight. Eight. Among them are... Uh, we got uh, Kopitar... Byfield, Kempe, Kevin Fiala, Trevor Moore, Philip Deno, Drew Doughty, and Arthur Kaliev. And when I the one that stands out, even though obviously he's very good, is Philip, Philip Deno, uh, because the idea was like, yeah, Dubois will be the second line center. Deno is going to be the incredible third line center. He's going to be the shutdown guy. Deno is not only obviously remains you know d- defensively elite, but is also outscoring Dubois. And it makes you wonder what's Dubois' role on this team, and how, you know, obviously the obviously he's only like 26 games into this new contract, and there's time for it to turn around. But honestly, I'm very very pessimistic about it because this is a guy we've talked about like bad vibes following him around from team to team. The Jets are great the second he's gone. You know, <laughs> I don't know something just really sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah, it's weird, and he's he's facing weaker competition right as the third line center now. Yes. Um, you, you know, he, he has worse line mates, yeah, but I think he did get some runtime as the second line center earlier this season and just he didn't look good. Um, so they dropped him to the third line and, and bumped up Dano where, you know, Dano's looking better. Uh, and yeah, and he's still not, he's still dominating. He's largely invisible. He's got, you know, a nice pass here or there. So, you know, certainly flashes from Dubois, but not, not eight and a half million dollars worth of impact, definitely for sure. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I don't I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe it is just a cold stretch, but no, it seems like all season. Um he's he's uh the impact has not been there. And yeah, it certainly does make you worry, especially, you know, yeah, it it just just makes him seem redundant if, you know, I think I think the best path forward with Byfield isn't to move him to center immediately. I think, you know, you let him continue to build his confidence on the wing. Um but eventually, yeah, you want to try that out at that point, you know, but you're you're already so deep at center. Um and it does kind of make Dubois redundant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Cam Talbot looked pretty good though, didn't he? Getting he did. That shutout. Yeah, surprisingly, you know, it's not like the Habs were completely quiet on offense all night. They had a, a good number of chances, and uh, yeah, he turned aside all of them. So good for him. And uh, yeah, this game, this game mm-hmm. saw the Kings lose, you know, get a significant injury um, in, in Vladislav Gavrikov. I would like to note. Um, who has been, you know, since they acquired him last season at the trade deadline, looked great, looks great up until well, like, this well, point. Well, he played the next game. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, he scored well, against the Islanders. He's he's he's. Oh, that's true. But he's week to week now. I guess I, I yeah, yeah. wrote that yeah, um, with a knee injury and uh, who is it? Is it Jacob Moverar who uh, replaced him? Yes. Any thoughts uh, on these silver helmets? By the way, I don't mind them. I don't know. I don't mind them. I kind of like them. How about yeah, you? Yeah, they kind of irked me as the week went on. I'm like, 
Really? Yeah, I, I just they they look. I a think bit they tacky. grew on me as the week went on. Really? They it just they, yeah. The, the more I saw them, I was like, you know, this this looks like a fucking colander, you know, that they're wearing on their head, <laughs> and it's just like it looks tacky. I'm sorry. I think the gold works better on the golden knights. Tacky. I don't uh, like the word tacky. I because I feel like everyone always means different things by it. Okay. Well, what do you mean I, by tacky? It looks cheap. You know, it looks like look at look at these, look at these shiny metallic helmets. Um, and, but they're not even made of metal, you know, they're like, they're like a, a plasticky sh- met- metallic look and you know, well, they're just made think, of all the, if they are, all the money they save on helmets now, just, they can spend, uh, on, you know, another, on other players, just like save with on the Dodgers, helmets? How? they can, def- because they're cheap, How save they... money on helmets. No, they, they look cheaper. Not, not that they are they cheaper. Are, they are cheaper. This is what you said. Those no, are I cheap see... helmets. Because they're deferring on the helmet payments, and then in ten years, then they'll start paying for the helmet so that they can pay for more players now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm I'm glad they could add, they could have Pierre Luc Dubois' contract into the fold, and in exchange, they have to wear these ugly helmets. fucking colander looking ass things. I I couldn't I couldn't unsee it. As soon as I saw, it, I was like, those motherfuckers look like you know like you when you got a kid who's like running around the house with like a, a kitchen bowl, a metal kitchen bowl around his head. This is what it looks like. I mean, All I right. can imagine. Yeah, sure. Just you know, I feel like it's yeah, yeah, it's a look, and uh, I'm not, I'm not with it. It looks, it looks tacky. That is, that is the word. You know, honestly, I don't use the word tacky very often, but yeah, this, don't. this is the one application where I was like, damn, that's this feels very well suited. The word does for the situation, for the look, for the aesthetic. No, you know what's really tacky? Helmets. What's tacky? Asking Shohei Otani to defer his entire contract for ten years from now. That is tacky. Especially when you're an organization worth billions and billions and billions of dollars. Yep. Fucking deferral. Anyway, next game, Islanders beat the Kings 3-2 in OT. I'll run through it pretty fast. No scoring in the first period, although decent action. Fair share of penalties, though. Scoring chances for both sides. Second period, LA goes up 2-0, takes the lead. Adrian Kempe, not to be confused with Alex Iafalo. So true. Uh receives a great pass on the power play all the way from one board from Fiala to the other one timer it almost uh made like an equilateral triangle between the two players in the net <laughs> i thought it was very aesthetically pleasing um yeah. and then a few minutes later gavrikov did score uh blinking no miss it type of wrist shot which was started by a, a play by who else but philip dano forcing a turnover right at the islanders were trying to exit and heading into the third looks like the kings are about to Swim to victory, but it was not to be because Anders Lee scored about halfway through off of a bad turnover. Um, uh, Kevin Fiala made a bad turnover. Mike Riley's slap shot was, yeah, un- was unhandled. Mike Riley, Mike Riley recent uh, waiver claim with the Islanders. Anders Lee took the rebound. I was shocked he's on this team. I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot about Mike Riley. I didn't know he was on yeah, because he really does not seem like a Lula Amarella type of defense. No, he doesn't um, in the sense that he's not good at defense. Yeah, but, but uh, you never know with Lou. Lou does all kinds yeah. of ridiculous things. Man, he's still the GM. Anyway, um, and a similar goal tied the game. Another yeah. point shot by Scott Mayfield, unhandled. Anders Lee in a very good position. Uh, got uh, beat Andreas Anglin, the Kings defenseman, in that p- battle for body position. Um, and there were chances late, but this overtime goal by Pajot was so fascinating. I re- I watched it so many times. Oh, yeah? I, 
I don't know if you found it as fascinating as I did. It was because it was very quick. It was only 13 seconds in. Yeah. And the Kings actually got a scoring chance within that span of 13 seconds from the face the opening faceoff. Kings get a scoring chance. Islanders score because Adrian Kempe took a shot and missed the net. And basically, at the very second, basically that the shot misses, Pajot starts cheating offense, and Dowdy has the opportunity to notice that and readjust and kind of you know cover Pajot, but instead makes the terrible decision to pinch uh, mm. on uh, Simone Holmstrom who has the puck and still has time to make a a good a breakaway pass to to Pajot. Um, so it was just because it happened so fast, like. How could that possibly have happened? That all of a, that the Kings seemed to they had the puck and all of a sudden there's a breakaway going the other way, and it's really just you know one smart play by Pajot, one dumb play by Dowdy, and when you're playing three and three, that's all it takes for a breakaway to happen. Yeah, I love it. Um, this is this is the, the 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 peak of three on three overtime. You know, shit happens. You you blink and you miss it, and it's just like oh, how how do they manage to pack that much action uh, when it's going end to end? That's where it's at. Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, it rules. Um, the Islanders winning rules. I don't know if I've said it on the record. I'm really fucking feeling the. Islanders you have said here. it twice. You have said it okay. two times, and this is your third time now. Okay, well I'm gonna keep saying it because every time I, I watch them and then I, they win, it brings me great joy. Um, and I'm so glad they came back. Come Man, back, if, Kings. If your if your 2021 self could hear you <laughs> saying these words right now. But that's the thing, they don't play defense anymore. Alright, this is a completely different style of Islanders. They don't they, they suck at defense. They give up so many shots on goal. Um and, I think and it's mainly sur- because Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulak are both injured. But also like even when they were around, like, you know, what was it Pulak wasn't having a good season and and uh, the other way around. One of them wasn't having a good season. Uh and they were just bad they've been bad defensively all year. Um but for once they've had the offensive guns. Um, to uh, to make up for it, and it's crazy. So much offense. You love to see it. Uh, shout out to uh, Matt Barzal and Bo Horvat. It's uh, yeah, it's it's great. I love watching it. Um, it's it's like they are more entertaining than they have been in the past. You know, they don't do the uh, you know, we take a lead and then we shut it down. Mostly because uh, they can't do that. They're just they're, they're not skilled enough. Apparently, they can't play fucking defense to do it. Um, but it makes for entertaining hockey, and they win, and it makes me happy, and uh, you know, it makes my fantasy team happy because I have the three best players on that team. Sorokin, Barzal, Horvat. It's great. Love it. You don't have Dobson. Dobson, who's the real MVP of the Islanders. I'm not even joking. Noah Dobson is incredible. Yeah, he's taking a step up. Makes that power play tick. But uh, I I still stand by it. I have three of the four. Three of the big Islanders four. They're going going to the playoffs. They've been been on fire recently, though. You know? I know, I know. It's beautiful. Uh, Where are they in the Metro? Uh, They're like third or second? Yeah, oh, I'm pretty man. sure they're in a playoff spot right oh, now. So beautiful, uh, man. They're, they're, in a divisional spot. Four-game win streak. Uh, and they, they always like make it to overtime and shit. So it's like, what was it? I, I, I counted this up a few days ago. I was like, damn. They really don't lose in over, uh, regulation very often. So let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So in the last 14 games, they've lost in regulation once. So wow. eat that. Let's go. That's, Wagon. What did you think about little Islanders fans booing John Tavares 1,000 point? <laughs> 1,000 point. I don't give a shit. You know, do what you want, man. Do what you want. I think, I think Islanders fans, like we discussed in the past, 
um, they're over dramatic. You know, this this this, this trauma that they that that John Tavares is leaving them has brought them overplayed. You know, get over it. Obviously, we have we've all seen the fucking hilarious video. You know, the the the, the John the John video. I don't. It was yeah, a goodbye John or some shit. Yeah, that shit. That was too good. Um, so yeah, over dramatic. But you know, do it. There's no. I don't care about no fucking disrespect or whatever the fuck. No, no class Islanders. I don't give a shit. All right, boo whoever the fuck you want. All right, even if it means you're being a, a big, big a diva fan base about it. You know, still not over. It's been fucking like five years at this point. Get over it. Um, but you know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rag. I'm actually gonna like laugh at him a bit. I think it's I think it's a good bit. Uh, and yeah, like I said, you're acting like a bunch of divas. Get over it. But uh, go ahead and boom though. I don't have, I don't have, I think it's I don't think that's problematic. I just think that's silly. Yeah. I mean, because I was trying to put myself in Islanders fan's head a little bit about it. And I think one of the things, John Tavares was, you know, first overall pick in 2009. And he was literally the only bright spot on that team for a very long time. They were so bad in the early 2010s. He was the only glimmer of hope, the only thing they had to cheer about. Uh, And so for, you know, for him to leave, and with the whole kind of like he had said like oh he would like to stay, and then they all they would have traded him if he said he wanted to leave and we didn't get anything. I can understand how that would sting particularly with all the added context than some other star player who leaves like Panarin leaving the Blue Jackets or something you know like who cares in relation to that. Sure. Um, but I th- but I think one thing that has only now started to occur to me because you 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 would think like oh yeah you know you boo on the ice but then you like clap for the accomplishment but the islanders fans don't do that and it occurred to me that it is personal to them like they hate john Tavares the individual because (laughs) they see what he did as an act of betrayal as a personal decision to spite the entire new york islanders team and fan base and so that is why they can never forgive nor forget what he has done to them and they wish unto him personally misery yeah that's i think that's that's a accurate assessment. that's a generalization obviously but yeah. i think that's a general characterization of why the booze happened and how a significant portion of the fan base feels yeah i think that's a that's, that seems like a an accurate assessment obviously i can't speak um to the accuracy but uh seems, seems about right um now you know, attributing that level of betrayal to a guy leaving in fucking free agency, I think is is insane. Um, no matter how important he was to your franchise, but uh, yeah, I think that's that's probably what happened. And uh, yeah, you know, they're, they're clearly not over it. But made for a good bit, and then they won the game, right? So uh, fuck yeah, let's go. Yeah. Too good. They won in overtime. Beautiful. Um, all right, on to the third game of the week. Kings. Yeah, we got Rangers. 2014 Stanley Cup final rematch with Jonathan Quick On facing the other, the other side. Wow. Crazy. Want to know what's great? Jonathan That's Quick, great. he was on the winning side in the 2014 Stanley Cup final, and now he was on the winning side in the other Can't side lose. in this Can't random lose. December game in 2023. He looked good, too. <laughs> sure Shout did. They have only a goal. Yeah, it's like back in 2014. Um, but, yeah, I'll go through the game. Um, yeah. Yeah, so you know, Dubois had a nice chance this game. Uh, or no, he had he had a nice move that led to a chance for Alex Lafreniere. I was like, you know, I was like, oh look, he did something. Um, so not not completely silent. I think this was probably the, his best game uh, of the week, um, mm. despite the fact that they lost. But uh, Rangers, you know, power play fucking merchants that they are. I can't handle, I can't handle these fuckers. All right, I cannot stand the Rangers. These these power play merchant 
Like yeah, fraud ass fucking team. Fuck. So many points. I honestly I can rarely remember ever seeing a power play looking as good as the Rangers one looked in this game. It's crazy. It, it looks so good. And yet they don't look that I, I I maintain that they don't look that great off the power play. They're not like they're not nearly this dominant at five on five. It's just it's no. crazy. It's, it's it's insane. But that what that first goal, my god, what a work of art. They're just they're just that zipping that puck around, one touch across the ice, crisscross. And I think it was it was it was Zibanejad, right? Who ended up scoring. Um, yeah, you know how you know how people will often uh you know, and rightfully so, most of the time it's correct to say a primary assist is more important or impressive than a secondary assist. On right. this play, Adam Fox deserved a tertiary assist. <laughs> <laughs> That's how because he went the, him to Panarin to the band of intro checking all of them and Kreider yeah. was out, out there as well, just back and forth all across every which way, and it's like, I mean, it's like it was it was such like a complex complex orchestration. It's crazy. And it involved all five of them. I don't know how they pulled it off. I don't know, but but fucking who was it? Was Copley in that? Copley was so out of position by the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> completely um, lost. Poor um, Phoenix. Yeah. yeah, poor Phoenix. He was, he was, like, yeah, no kidding. Like the passes were all so accurate, just so quick, and the pass cut, the pass patterns were so complex too. It wasn't just like your you know your standard around the horn, you know, but to the two guys at the point, and you get to the guy on the side. No, it was like they were like zipping it through the slot and shit. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, shout out to the Rangers power play. Fucking, I can't handle it. Um, but yeah, uh, and you know the power play just looks completely dominant. Zbanejad had a nice little they, on a subsequent penalty power play. Uh, you know Zbanejad had a couple of nice chances. You know one timers saved by Phoenix Copley. Um, and it's just like they're they're always buzzing on the power play. So annoying. Um, but it was uh, Jimmy Vc made a two nothing uh, scores on a mini breakaway after uh, Matt Roy makes a poor uh, decision by trying to you know clear the puck from his own zone. Tried to flip it over. I uh, was a Nick Bonino. Couldn't get it yep. over Nick fucking Bonino. Um, and so, you know, Bonino, Jimmy Bonino, scores. Bonino. Makes it 2 nothing. And uh, let's see. What happened after that? He had uh, Dubois robbed by Jonathan Quick. So, you know, two chances for Pierre-Luc Dubois this week. Um, but, you know, obviously you need to see more. Um, <laughs> two but, chances uh, <laughs> this week. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, two, 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 two nice opportunities for Mr. F- what's his? Pierre. There it is. Pierre. Pierre. That's right. Um, Mr. PLD. PLD, you know, it really didn't doesn't register that his first name is Pierre, because you, you obviously had the Luke, you know. I just feel like yeah, it doesn't well, feel like it, a Pierre because it's, it's Pierre Luke. That's his name. It's, it's yeah, but it's even then, you know, even even it doesn't feel like his half his name is Pierre. Um, what does that even register. mean? It doesn't feel like half his name is. Pierre. I don't know. Like you see this guy, you're like fuck. This guy's it doesn't feel like this guy is like half his his, his name contains Pierre, in it. You know. Yeah, well, that's that's how it is. For, I feel like that's how it is with a lot of hyphenated names. You know, sure. Like but even that, now that I think about it, just the whole name as a whole. You know, like Pierre Luke. This guy's name is Pierre Dash Luke. It's interesting. Well, yeah, because uh, the hyphenated first names like that, which are pretty common in Quebec, yeah. very often you know will turn out to feel like more than the sum of their parts. You know, you have people called Pierre, you have people people called Luke, and when someone's Pierre Luke, it's not just Pierre plus Luke. It's all kind of a whole new name. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. It doesn't register as the sum of Pierre and Luke. You know. Because like, it isn't. This guy is a fucking peer. Yeah, you're right. But in a sense, it is. You know, in a sense, it is the sum. But it doesn't process as such. But uh, yeah, Phil- <laughs> anyways, <laughs> Philip Dano made a 2 1 on the power play. Nice, nice, beautiful cross lob pass. No, I can't believe his name is Philip. That's crazy. Let's talk you know, about that for a minute and a half. 
<laughs> I was going to say the same shit. Honestly, I had the same thought uh, a minute ago. I can't tell how facetiously you're saying that, you know? Oh, completely um, facetiously. Oh, okay. Because I was like sitting there and I was like, yeah, Pierre-Luc, but then also Philippe. Does he feel like a Philippe? Maybe not. Um, you hit the nail on the head, I got to say. But uh, yes, Philippe scored a goal. Made it 2-1. And uh, let's see, what else we got? So Johnny Brodzinski. You want to hear my f- note? Your note? Yeah. What's your note on, my note on Johnny is Brzezinski? Somehow the power play still looks insanely good, even with Johnny fucking Brzezinski on the <laughs> top unit as the trigger man in the slot. <laughs> the fuck is up with that, huh? It's crazy. Great yeah. pass from Chorchak. Chorchak had a nice game for himself, huh? He had a nice primary assist on Very the first goal. So. A nice slot pass on this goal. Um, nice pass on the fourth goal too uh, for Will Cooley. I feel like I feel like Will Cooley. We've said Will Cooley's name often. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I feel like I'm talking about Will Cooley the more this season I ever have. Um, but well, he's shoveling the puck. Year, so that makes sense. Yeah, I guess it does. Um, but even for a rookie, it feels like he's, he's having a nice season. Um, shovels in the puck in the slot. Nice pass from Trocheck. Makes a four-one. Uh, you know, Jonathan Quick makes some nice saves, and uh, that's the extent of the game. Four-one. Not much else offensively for the Kings. I have a working theory. Please. Which I don't know how much validity there is to it. Okay. Um, that the Kings have, you know, obviously based on the entire sum of the year, a lot of offensive talent on their team, a lot of offensive abilities, you know, deep forwards, all that. Um, but potentially uh, a collection of forwards, which is very prone to uh, to not be able to solve a very good goalie. And the reason mm. I have this theory is because the three games they lost this week were against arguably the best three goalies in the, in the entire world, Sorokin, Shesterkin, and Hellebuck. And they scored twice, then once, then twice. Uh, and I don't know if uh, there's some kind of connection to be made in that some offenses are able to to solve higher-end goalies and some will feast on lower-quality opponents but kind of be more prone to getting stonewalled by an elite one. I don't know. I haven't thought about what characteristics would lend to this type of thing. Just a thought. Ah, that's an interesting observation. Um, I had noticed. I had noticed they were playing the three elite goalies. Although, wait, who are they? They're playing Jonathan Quick, though. You know, in the in the second game, though. No? Oh yeah, um. shit. Never mind. All right, theory falls <laughs> apart. <laughs> uh, I think it's just it's just what it is. You know, teams go through cold stretches. I mean, I that's the thing. It seems a fucking wagon, apparently. Well, Jonathan Quick has been insanely good this entire season, so maybe yeah, there maybe enough. there is something to it. Yeah. All right. On to the fourth game, Jets Kings homecoming for Pierre Luc Dubois, um, in a sense. And uh, was it yeah, was it in Winnipeg? I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember let's either. See. Check 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 research. How do I find out? It was at Crypto.com Arena, so I guess that's in LA. Yeah, homecoming okay. for Velarde and Ayafalo. That's right. I stand corrected. Um, so yeah, do you want to do it? Do, do shall I do it? I'll do this one. Sure. We got Talbot Talbot v Hellebuck, and we got Dubois v Velarde Ayafalo. Dubois was thoroughly uh, defeated in this battle. Um, despite his one assist, once again, similar to the game against the Islanders, Kings uh, were up to nothing at a certain point. This one after the first period, Kopitar gets a power play goal after Dylan Sandberg kind of slid and failed to block the pass. Sneaks under him, Kopitar recovers it right by the crease, uh, and then a few minutes later, Dubois does get an assist. Um, 
on uh, an extremely lucky goal by Alex Laferriere, who scored from off Hellebuck's mask behind the goal line. That would be the last goal the Kings scored this game because Nikolai Ehlers off the rush, smooth snipe from far out. Velarde gets the primary assist. A few minutes later, Ehlers again is streaking down the wing, off the post and in. What a goal. Velarde with the primary assist. A few minutes after that, Mark Shifley with a rebound turning into a, a wraparound, banked off of Matt Roy, having himself a bit of a rough go over this, this stretch. Gabriel Velarde again, the primary assist. And in the third period, Gabriel Velarde gets a goal for himself, a backhander over the glove from the slot. And Shifley gets an empty net goal later. So this game ended with, you know, Velarde having an incredibly good showing against the team that traded him away, a goal and three assists. Nikolai Ehlers having an incredibly good showing. Those two goals were both in- extremely impressive. And it got me to wondering, you know, with Kyle Connor out of the lineup for the Jets now, is Nikolai Ehlers actually finally getting some more ice time? And is he, you know, because I know he's on this line now with uh, Shifley and Velarde. And man, did they look really, really good. That's a good mix. And I, I just hope Nikolai Ehlers, you know, that he can take advantage of this opening to finally, you know, go on the hot stretch. Maybe finally, when Kyle Connor returns, they will not put Nikolai Ehlers back down to playing two and a half seconds a game. Yeah, what's up with that? Um, I think you know, it's, it's not even that he needs to go on a hot stretch. I don't know. It feels like he's been consistently producing. You know, Nikolai, he just doesn't get enough fucking ice time. Because the, the thing he needs to do is to, uh, you know, somehow convince Rick Bonus to give him more ice time. That's really the key to everything. Um, because I feel like, generally, Nick Ehlers, he's not lacking. He's always, like, you know, he's producing even in that, you know, reduced role that he doesn't deserve. Uh, he's always, he's always you know, Nick Ehlers. Top, bonafide, top six, top line caliber winger um, who produces offensively. And uh, for some reason, Rick Bonus just doesn't give him uh, any sort of runway at all. Ridiculous. Um, so yeah, to that point, I feel hopefully. like that's the first question they ask you that Kevin Shevelday-off asks you when you're interviewing to be the Jets coach. Will you play Nikolai Ehlers A, a lot of ice time, B, a moderate amount of ice time, or C, not enough ice time? And if you don't answer C, he disqualifies you. That's right. Apparently that's the criteria to become Jets head coach because, yeah, second head coach in a row who does this. Um, and it doesn't make any sense because uh, whenever you do put him on the top line, uh, he produces and produces... Very much in line uh, of what a first-line winger should be doing, and he's he's a very very good player. So I, I don't I don't get what what the Jets do with him. But Your like you said, average time on ice for Jets forwards this year. Yeah, Shifley leads with twenty one oh three per game, followed by Kyle Connor with twenty minutes ten seconds. Next up, Alex Iafallo sixteen forty nine. Next up, Gabe Velarde, fifteen fifty-eight, which is right in the vicinity of Nikolai Ehlers at fifteen fifty-six, and Adam Lowry at fifteen fifty-one. Man, this guy should not be playing five seconds more than fucking Adam Lowry. All right, that makes no sense. I, I get Adam Lowry's a center, but even even then, the the talent yep. disparity is just too large. It's too large, especially with Shifley playing like twenty-one minutes already. There's no need to be, you know, Adam Lowry, Nikolai Ehlers on the, within five seconds of each other in average ice time. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you can you can run Ehlers out there for 20 minutes. Why not? What's the big deal? Anyway, the Kings it. looked pretty bad in this game, didn't they? They did. Uh, the offense shut down by the Kings, uh, by the Jets' defense. What's up with that? Uh, this is the Jets' defense we're talking about. Nothing special. Never has been. Still the same fucking cast of merry men from last season, basically. And uh, what's what's going on? Where did the offense go? I'm confused because they obviously had those two early goals and then it was all Jets. 
no real opportunities for the no real pushback, especially in that third period. It just they never really challenged to come back. Remember that stretch of like one week last year when the Jets were your cup pick and then you changed your mind? Yeah, you know, I, I had that thought. I was uh thinking about that time when I was watching this game. I was like, hmm. Or did we have we covered the Jets recently? I can't remember. No, we haven't. No, no, no we but haven't. Also, okay, so then... I think I think this uh because I'm actually leaving in like four days for the states for Christmas, so yeah. this might be our last episode for. We'll probably take like a week off. Sure. Um, but yeah, I was thinking the Jets would be a good one to do, yeah. because they are, and I honestly, not to toot my own, I feel like I toot my own horn a little bit too much, and it's probably gonna start getting on some people's nerves. <laughs> but, but I want, but and I'm not obviously because I want to have a bit of a sense of proportion because I don't remember if I predicted the Jets would make the playoffs. I don't think I did. But at the again at the time of the Dubois trade, I did say I liked the look of their team better going into this year in the sense that even just the subtraction of Blake Wheeler, vibes improved. Replacing Dubois with a bit more of a balanced depth of, you know, Villardi, Ayafalo, these strong defensive forwards. Villardi has really broken out. Perfetti's taken a step forward. Um, and uh, Rasmus Kupari, who was also in that trade, you know, he's injured right now. But uh, on that fourth line when he was playing, I think he was pretty solid. And I thought, you know, because last year what we ragged on the Jets all the time for was that bottom six is filled with AHL players. And now suddenly that's not the case. And all of a sudden, you know, Shifley is scoring at a higher clip than he has lately. Kyle Connor, of course, on fire once again before the injury. And Connor Hellebuck, back to being well above league average. This team seems well on track to make the playoffs decently comfortably unless there's some kind of big plummet coming. Yeah. I think we both had them in the playoffs. Um, I remember I had them in a wild card spot. It's like, it just feels mediocre. And, and when I think back to uh, last year and my uh, insane time where I picked them to win the cup, it's like, I don't know how I could do that. This team is so fucking mediocre, all right? Uh, and yeah, I, I still feel like the defense is, it's a, it's a mid team, all right? And then this weak ass Western Conference, I will pick them happily to make a wild card spot. But. I feel like it doesn't doesn't seem like it adds up to much more than that. I still look at their team. I'm like, man, that defense, like I just mentioned, hasn't changed since last year, right? It's just it's still very mediocre. Um, and you know, obviously, yeah, you're right. The depth has improved, but it doesn't feel like it moves the needle too too much. Um, so yeah, that's where that's where I stand on the Jets. And I uh, I look back upon that time when I had them as my cut pick uh, with with regret, and uh, as if you know I was on some sort of binge. Um, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. What the fuck was I thinking? Yeah, me either. I have no idea what you were thinking either. Anyway. Insane shit. So where do we... What's our kind of outlook for the Kings who are second in the Pacific, second in the entire Western Conference, fourth in the league, extremely favorable position, but on a bit of a a slump? How do we we see things shaking out for them for the rest of the year? This is weird. Like, I feel like I can't make a proper evaluation of of what this team is like because... um, we, we didn't get to see them be the juggernauts that they've been up until this point in the season. And, you know, every team has its cold stretch. It's like we're saying, it seems like we caught them on a cold stretch. Um, whether, you know, that sustains, how long it sustains, remains to be seen. But given that, it's like this is really their first, like, probably their first three-game losing streak of the season. You know, and it's just, it's hard to say exactly where they fall without having seen how good they were over the first stretch of the season, you know. Hard to say. That's, that's where I'm at. I, I really, I feel, I feel this is the most challenging team prognosis I've had to make this season. Mm. It, it's kind of confusing. 
Yeah, I think like, I mean, I know it's kind of a boring answer. I think the reality lies somewhere in the middle of this bad week they had and how insanely good they were for most of the season leading up to now. Because I think there is some regression coming, which has maybe already started. Like Trevor Moore is on like a 40-goal pace. I don't think Trevor Moore is going to score 40 goals. Uh, similar thing, Quentin Byfield, I think we can expect to see some ebbs and flows him over the you know the course of the season. Um, and I've, I'm decently optim- cautiously optimistic that Cam Talbot is going to hold up, but he is an old man, you know. <laughs> He's like 36. <laughs> he uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I have a decent faith that Copley will, you know, be able to help him carry a little bit. They have Matt Vallalta in the minors who's doing extremely well in the AHL and has never gotten a shake in the NHL at all, I think. I don't think it's out of the possibility. It might make sense whether there's an injury or not for him to get a call up at some point, get a few games. I mean, they are clearly, quite clearly going to uh, make the playoffs, but I think um, I think they are definitely a decent, healthy helping behind Vegas in terms of Stanley Cup contender quality still. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, yeah, you're, you're right to bring up Talbot. We hadn't talked about him yet. He's been on an absolute bender of a season. Um, you know, we watched him you know, play against Let's the Let's not overstate it, all right? Because Bender, man. Come it's on. not a bender. It's it's the Kings are a very solid defensive team that can that failed to make uh, Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick look good. No, actually, actually no. Sorry, to to be more accurate, they were winning games despite how bad those two goalies looked. Uh, and then the when mediocre Jonas Corposalo showed up last year, all of a sudden they went on a tear. And I think the similar thing is happening now with Cam Talbot. It's that you know he's a ho hum goalie who is made to look good by the team around him. So. I'm not too worried about that. Let me let me see the goal saved above expected on this. What's it at? Because um, if it's anything high, then I think the regression is coming. Because Cam Talbot is not a very goal saved above expected. Oh, he's seventh place in the league. That's not gonna that's, last. That's not in, that's not crazy. Seventh. Seventh. That's pretty high for for Cam Talbot. Well, it's high, but it's not crazy. All right, who are the top mm. six? Uh, we have Thatcher Demko, Aiden Hill. Jeremy Swayman, Charlie Lingren, Connor Hellebuck, and Connor Ingram. Yeah, okay, you're telling me he's he's below Charlie Lindgren and Connor Ingram, and all of a sudden that he's the one who's going to drop down the list? Well, no. No, case in point, yes. It, actually, all three of those goalies are all, <laughs> to my point, will eventually regress. I liked my framing of events better than yours. <laughs> You know, you fed right into it. Oh, look, three goalies. They're all in the same region of like around 10 to 11 goals saved above expected. No, no, well, think of it this way. Season, if Charlie Lindgren and, and Connor little... Ingram fall down the list, that means they fall below Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot actually goes up to fifth. So now what? So now what? Now he's even, he's got even more room to fall. You know, he's, he gets even <laughs> higher. <laughs> That's what I say. Um, but yeah, look, I, the regression is coming for Cam Talbot. Mark my words. Um, what is he? What's the save percentage? Like, uh, 927. He's not a 927 goalie. Give me a He's break. a 927? I think so. Am I, re- Gee, I I'm reading In this, this era, that is unfathomably good. Let me, let me say. Yeah, it seems like it. So, yeah, un- unsustainably good, one might say. Um, oh. As I would say. Uh, so, yeah, that's where we're at. So, are you saying the Kings are going to, like, miss the playoffs? No, 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 no. Nothing like that. I think their top six is, uh, is, is a real rock-solid top six. Nothing too spectacular, uh, and like you said, their depth hasn't. Uh, their their depth, you know, is is better, is good with Dubois down there. Even if he's he's not doing eight and a half million dollar things, 
he's still, you know, for a third liner, he's good. So the depth is there. The defense, they're solid defensively, especially when Gavrikov comes back. So, you know, the, the foundation is there for a very solid playoff team. I don't think it's anything spectacular that will take you over to become a Stanley Cup contender team. And I think the goaltending will regress. So, yeah, falls, you know, I think third best team in the conference seems fine. Seems fair. Seems about right. I don't think we have time for a full standings check today, but I do want to shout out a few interesting things about it. Sure. Uh, first of all, the San Jose Sharks have climbed up to 30th what in the, the league. What the fuck is up with that, huh? They Terrible. are. Jesus they Christ. They have not been bad lately. <laughs> They've been yeah, like been hovering good. around 500 lately. And yeah. now the 40-point watch, our better bet is Chicago because Chicago is last in the league. Oh, Christ. And they're, and they're already like halfway, halfway there. there. They're already yeah, halfway there. The Sharks cooked. are more than halfway to 40. Yeah, it's uh, 41 watch is done. It's dead. It's a nightmare, man. Man, one of these days it'll happen. One of these years. But I was really hopeful. You know, they were really they were really tanking it. Um, yeah, but same here. It's been an insane pace. Um, <laughs> geez, good good for them, I guess, you know. And the other thing it? I want to shout out yeah. is a team that's in a playoff spot, the Edmonton Oilers. Wow. A heater. How- how Regression. crazy we were how long it was we were like look how much insane ground they have to make if they scratch and claw maybe they can get into the playoffs by april no it's december 14th there and now <laughs> they're in that second wild card spot that like Ugh. two and nine start it's history mcdavid got like a million points in four games after they hired chris knobloch and they're back they're back in it baby the coaching change worked yeah i guess um, let's see. Where how do I see Stuart Skinner's game log? Huh? I want to see how that guy's doing. You know, I saw yeah, Calvin Picard. Uh, Calvin Picard got into a game like you were advocating for first game. I think three days ago. Uh, and uh, guess what? He uh, killed it. He looked great. They won the game, Shocker. and uh, he played no small part in it. He actually looked quite good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it looks like uh, looks like Mr. Skinner has turned it around. Um, who could have seen that? Over and he's won like seven of his last starts. Very well done. And has seven of his good. last, or like seven in a row. Seven in a row. Okay. From what I see, so yeah, seven in a row. They're on an eight-game win streak. So, like I said, Calvin Picard, he's that one game that he played. Um, he's doing his part, and yeah, it looks like the goaltending stabilized and the team got better. Surprise, surprise. I, I would have thought. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Does Connor Brown have more than one point now? <laughs> Let's see. Because I, Connor... I saw he had like one yeah. assist in 20 games or something. I was like, I'm playing on like the second line. Like, right. How is that even possible to play like from <laughs> Dreisaitl? Dreisaitl? Only have one yeah. assist in 20 games? <laughs> I mean, no. He's, he's still sitting at he's one assist in 20 games. That's his stat line right now. Oh, wow, minus, man. Minus eight. Yeah. And also, very quietly... The team that is somehow in the top wildcard spot in the West is Nashville, which is it feels very odd looking at just you know they I mean they have you know good depth like Thomas Novak is having a very good year, Luke Evangelista very good rookie year, Colton Sissons as well is scoring at like a forty something point pace, but when you look at the, the team the second line is Kiefer Sherwood Thomas Novak and Luke Evangelista. It's still like, how is this a playoff team? It's interesting, and it's like you look, you go through, and you're like, yeah, I guess that player is good. I guess it's a collection of 
guys that most ca- that casual fans would have never have heard of who are doing better than you might have thought they are. Right, and I think recently they've been on a nice little hot stretch because uh, UC Saros, who had just an awful start to the season, looked like dog shit, has uh, really come around. Um, he looks fantastic. I think he's he's won like seven of his last starts or two, some, some, something like that. Um, he, he's really been pushing it. Uh, and so, you know, that, that is the key to victory for the Preds is to Saros be on his game and then they're able to hold on. Um, I think I was keeping tabs on their last game. What was it? It was against the Flyers, right? So they, they got outshot to all hell, but they were, you know, with Saros and that, they were able to ha- cling on to that lead winning in overtime. So, you know, the combination of Saros turning it around and then, like you said, guys who, you know, maybe you don't expect it, you know, they, they pull their weight um, in terms of offensive production. There's your formula for... Nashville for everything going right leads to them being in what eighth place in the conference seventh but yeah seven yeah okay um and i guess very quickly in the east i said we went to a checkup but just a few small points like uh we're really starting to get into the danger zone in the east of oh are the flyers and red wings and capitals actually going to make the playoffs instead of the devils hurricanes and lightning <laughs> yeah it's there's too many good teams okay there's too many good teams in this conference it's insane. Um, the Lightning are twelfth in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that's crazy. Just seemed like yesterday we were talking about like, oh, this team like successfully treaded water without Vasilevsky. They did. Now he's back, and they're still treading. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't call their recent performance treading. You know, it's just more like they're slowly sinking right, into the quicksand. Yeah, if you yeah, tread for too stand. long, then then you get more, you get tired. I guess so. Yeah, this is Every swimmer happening. knows that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you for your insight. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is uh, not, not not looking good. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like I said, so many good teams that if you get a couple surprises, even one or two surprises, like, like your Detroit's and even your Philadelphia's, um, and they're able to sustain it over a longer period of time, you're, you're leaving out a really good team. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what it's looking at. Let's see. There's, yeah, okay, so 12th, 12th. So, yeah, 12th is the Lightning, 10th Hurricanes. Ninth Devils, eleventh uh, Penguins. Shout out to them. Yeah, they're better than the Lightning. It's not a Yay, disappointing season. Applause. They're not. This is not a disappointing season. They finished oh, above the sure. Lightning. Yeah. God, all I want is the Penguins and the Islanders to both make the playoffs, and I'll have feel I'll have felt extremely vindicated by the end of the season. I don't Good give luck. a single fuck about how they do in the playoffs. All right, I won't. I probably won't even cheer for them in the playoffs. Um, but all I want is for them to claw into the playoffs. I don't care. It's seventh and eighth seed. You know, I just, that's what I want. I just want to put that out there. Those are my two teams. I feel quite strongly about this. I got to say, um, this is the way it's turned out. Yeah. A few other quick hits before we get to our guess who. Uh, Craig Berube fired by the Blues. That's yeah. the Cup winning coach. He's, he's out, out of Out of there. nowhere. Out of nowhere, it feels. No? Nobody's I mean, talking about this guy getting fired. Yeah, I guess out of nowhere in the sense that no one was really talking about it. But when it happened, I was like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. You know, I don't want to to pick with that. His roster yeah, sucks. I... roster stinks. Okay, I guess, yeah. Well, it makes sense in that the logic is if the Blues thought they were going to be good then and then they're disappointing. And actually, they had quite a hot start, which disappointed me. Because you might remember, I predicted them to finish last in the Central, <laughs> which is yeah. looking unlikely. But I think they may. I do think they'll end up finishing below the Wild at least, even though that's not how things stand presently. Um, and so the Blues plummeting and sucking feels good for me in that regard. But I was particularly interested. I guess Blues fans may know more about this. 
is that there was might have been some kind of like rift with Jordan Cairo in particular. Uh, and that and there was Cairo was asked about it and Cairo basically said like, uh, oh he's not my coach anymore. I'm not making a comment. But he also actually said something else because uh, the new coach uh, Bannister. I don't remember his first name. Yeah, Drew. Um, have they has he coached a game yet with the Blues? I do not remember. I don't think so. I think this maybe at the very I'll, least I'll though they've it. had like a practice or a morning skate or something and Cairo said something like yeah it's really good you know fresh start this is exactly what we need new coach fresh start something like that hmm. so interesting very yeah so. well and, and Cairo was not having a good season either um no he's supposed to be one of their better players but let's look through that that roster sucks my god I did not oh yeah it does it's depressing Jesus that's why I picked Christ. them for last in the central division it's a roster that's not only bad but depressing it is so depressing. My God. I'm looking through it. It's like, God, they have Brandon Saad and Gasperi Kapanen in their top six. What the fuck? And it's like, they have like three good players. It's Buchnevich, Thomas, and Kairou. That's their first line. And that's the extent of good players on this team. All right. The the bottom nine stinks. There's nobody on their defense worth anything. All right. It, yeah, that's, that's just, just like that, that makeup of that defense of... All like thirty plus Tori Krug, Justin Falk, and Colton Pareko all making exactly six and a half million AAV <laughs> is just a uh, cause for for vomit. Man, Doug Armstrong has built a fucking terrible team. I gotta say, mm-hmm. since that cup, uh, and uh, yeah, Bennington obviously started off the season extremely hot. Was the reason they overperformed, but uh, you know, I've seen that coming. He's kind of cooled down. So yeah, just a rough team, and I guess this is the move to do if uh, you're Doug Armstrong, want to save your job, and want to scapegoat for the first 20-something games uh, as the yeah. final coach. Yeah, I mean, so. the moves last year, they trade O'Reilly and Tarasenko, kind of pointed toward a rebuild. I think that's clearly the only possible. So, like, they can't even feign con- playoff contention at this point, you know? Very tough for them to imagine they're in any kind of thing resembling win-now mode, I imagine. Yeah. So I think Ar- we'll probably be left with no choice but to tear it down. Sure, absolutely. There's, there's, there's nothing more to do. Um, I think in that sense, you know, now that I've, I've framed it and that there are only three good players on this team, I guess there's not much else to do other than try to extract the best, best as a coach, than to extract the best performance you can from those three players at the very minimum. And the fact that Kairou was doing so poorly, probably a red flag. Um, yeah. So, yeah, in that sense, there's nothing to be outraged about. Brayden Shen's uh, with, pretty good, too. This firing. Yeah, sure. Shout out to Brayden Shen. Um Ooh. Team yeah, unpredicted, I'm, I, not uh, like uh, yeah, just kind of out of the blue. But I guess not, not uncalled for or anything for Craig Berube. Yeah. Next thing, one week ago, if I had asked you to rank all 32 NHL teams by most to least likely to relocate, where would the Washington Capitals have landed? Uh somewhere in the bottom ten, I imagine. Really? I don't fucking know. I, I don't have this. Let's see, this ranking, there's only, I feel like, there's only a select few teams um, that obviously are very high up there, you know, your, your Arizona Coyotes and whatnot. But then once you get past that, it's like, I, I can't really, who would yeah, need to so relocate? Once you, you, know, it's like pass, the once you get past again. that, most teams are like, no shot, you know? Yeah, and so I, I put them all in that same bubble of like, seems very, very unlikely that they would relocate, um, you know, so... Th- basically everyone but, let's see, the Coyotes and the Jets and whatnot. Anyways, and yet, what's the news? And yet the Capitals are probably maybe moving in like five years to like four miles away from where they currently are to Virginia for reasons yeah. I'm still not clear on. I know Ted Leontis. Uh, okay. Yes. Money. That's the reason. 
Um, but the specifics of it in terms is it that like the city isn't giving Ted Leonsis all the money he wants to have a team yep. there? Basically, Basically yeah. and uh, and this this random fucking suburb outside of Washington D.C. will uh, throw money at him to build shit in their suburb. So that's he's, he's moving there. That's the move. Right. That's gonna happen. I know he had a press conference and he didn't take any questions, which defeats the entire purpose of a press conference. Just released a statement. Released a statement at that point. Um, and in five years, uh, see, here's the thing. Will, if they become Virginia Capitals, well, they're not in the capital anymore. So do they completely change their name to the the Virginia uh, Virginia Cranberries? Maybe. Who knows? Uh, I'm sure you'll be on the case to enforce this change. Yes. That they well, can't you know what, actually, the capitals. Yeah. By the time of this relocation, Alexander Ovechkin will be 43 years old. So I think there is a chance that that will be the thing that he decides to retire a Washington capital and jump ship just in time for the team to move to Virginia and begin the most miserable era of its existence. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, Can it's you imagine how depressing timing. that must be for a fan when Ovechkin retires the exact same summer the team moves to Virginia? Yeah, it's brutal, man. Um, only, what is it, four, five, six miles away, but it's like, you know, it's moving to the suburbs. So it's like, fuck, it's like the, the, the analogy is uh, if I have to go to fucking Laval to go watch the, the Habs, just brutal. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, geographically, maybe close, but sure feels a lot further away. So yeah, seems like Capitals fans are upset by this move, understandably so. Um, and this is just, yeah, a cash grab. Fucking this owner's like, oh, it's the hardest decision I've ever had to make or whatever the fuck. You know? Oh, I'm like, sure it is, Ted. Shut I'm the sure it fuck is, Ted. up. I feel so bad for you. Oh, Jesus Christ. No sympathy Damn. for that fucker. Anyways, so that's the Capitals news. Um, let's, uh, the All-Star game, All-Star skills competition, sorry, correction, yeah. um, is getting a facelift. Let's try something new. Uh, apparently, this was developed in close coordination with Connor McDavid. That's so insane to me. That's insane <laughs> to me. Connor McDavid has how many hours in a day, and he's yeah. spending part of it on this creative endeavor. Crazy. With it's Gary Bettman. The, the last thing I've expected is to, for them to collaborate with one player. Um, maybe he designed it so that he'll win the million-dollar prize. You know? Oh, yeah. Or is he not allowed Inside to take it. part in it? He probably will. Otherwise, who the fuck will watch? Anyways, um, new format. (laughs) It's like it's like a decathlon, you know, kind of bit. It's like a whole like you know you you try to get points over a series of events, and uh, the winner is big prize, million dollars. That's something, you know. Yeah. yeah. In the past, what what, what's the deal? They split among the team, or no? They got like an advantage for the All Star game or some shit. Like the division did. Um, I think it was like the winning team gets to like pick if they want to play the first game or the second game uh, boring nobody cares all right yeah making a million dollars for one person now we're fucking talking all right that's that's a real that's a real check a million dollars i mentioned on the show yeah. my idea to make players care in the all-star game and skills competition you definitely have but please reiterate what it is honestly i don't know if i did which is that they should be playing for money for charity not mm. that not that I imagine them all to care so much about a charity. I'm not, you know, some kind of utopian. But it would, at the very least, make it so that if they weren't trying, then they really look like dicks and assholes. So, <laughs> so that's I think even with the old skills comp format, if it was like, even it could be a relatively small sum of money. If it was like fastest skater 
wins like I don't know fifteen thousand dollars for a charity, and now all of a sudden everyone's got to try, or else you look like you don't care about the charity that you chose, you know. And same thing for the All Star Game. Every player on the winning team gets to pick a charity uh, to give whatever amount of money. The amount doesn't matter so much, but the idea is that the players have to be trying, or else everyone's like, man, this this guy doesn't care about charity. What a loser! It's really quite a simple idea, and I think it's it would interesting. Work. It's an interesting idea. I don't know if it would work. I think, you know, they could probably do just a bare minimum to make it seem like they care, you know, and it better would still... than what they usually do, which is not do yes. the bare minimum to make it look like they care. Absolutely. Sure. But I feel like with a million dollars, now we're talking. Now they're like actually personally incentivized within their own self-interest to go and do their best, you know, make a million. Because, you know, yeah, yeah these guys like, aren't making a hundred million dollars. The so... other thing, though, with that is like, at the same time, for these, so the players, I know obviously a million dollars, even you know if you're already making six million a year, another million does make a big difference. At the same time, um, it it doesn't make as much of a difference as the damage to your reputation if you're the guy who didn't try to win money for sick kids or something like that. You know, I think the the fear of being perceived as a bad guy would motivate more than a million dollars for these people. I really that's do. interesting. That's that's an interesting perspective. I especially don't, I feel like, yeah. especially because if if you know that they're only trying because they want to win a million dollars, there is definitely an element of like, oh, this like this greedy guy just in it for the money. <laughs> well, I think it's understandable to do. You know, that's what's you know. We're all, you know, that's what they're trying to do at the end of the day, right? Contract year, everyone, they, they all this contract year spike and whatnot. It's like they're they're all just trying to make their bag. There's no shame in that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I no, feel like because it's like a gimmick. Because it kind of turns it into like a game show where everyone's already rich. Yeah, I I see what you're I see what you're saying. I think I see what you're alluding to. However. I feel like my concern with the charity idea is that it just it won't work. I don't know. I feel like it'll be it'll be a it won't it won't be it'll be a marginal increase in their try hardiness. You know? I, I think I don't this think is they, what's they... gonna be marginal. I think the charity one yeah. will be like, oh now I'm playing for someone else, so shit, I better get my act together. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We will we'll be able to watch and evaluate and see if uh, maybe that charity idea would be better. But in the meantime, we also have the format. Um, so we'll have uh, 12 players from the all-star pool that are competing uh, across eight events. And so you'll have eight players that are chosen by the league, four chosen by the fans uh, of these contestants, yeah. And then so each of the uh, 12 players will compete in four of the six events. Not sure how they're going to pick who does what, but that's the deal. And then um, this is a goofy, okay, I, I have, this is a goofy-ass format, I got to say, because uh, after six events, the top eight point earners will advance to the seventh event, and the which is uh let's see what the fuck is it it's a shootout and then the top six from the shootout will move to the final which is an okay. obstacle course all right an which is worth course. double oh. the points like what the fuck is up with that just do a proper fucking decathlon everything's worth the same amount of points and whoever has the most points at the end is the most well-rounded skill guy and makes a million dollars or are we doing this fucking obstacle course shit that's worth double fuck you that's what i say i am sitting here right now with my hands over my face, dreading <laughs> the 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 universe in which I would be watching this. I won't. I because won't. <laughs> when I was like ten years old, I watched the skills yeah. competition, and I liked it. And it got 
I mean, part of it is the novelty wore off after I had watched it literally one time. I was kind of like, all right, seen that, done that. Um, and it got worse over the years in the sense that, well, there, it was like four hours long and 95% of the time was interviews and like ads and all kinds of ridiculous things that didn't actually show the player's skills. And now all of a sudden, and because also they comp, they comp, complicate the rules so much more than they have to. And you know me, I, I like complicated rules when they are called for. The NHL skills competition is not the time for complicated rules. It's the time to show off all the amazing things the players can do by the simplest means necessary and then have a winner at the end, whether the winner is one of the teams or an individual player. And all this thing of like a tiered tournament with like nine different parts where like one third of the participants are out like 65% of the way through. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> it's like, what are we doing here? Like, geez. Uh, yeah, I sigh. Yeah, I, I really, I really don't. I think the, the fight, the last two rounds, those all those technicalities and those rules and whatnot. Man, what a. That will completely a... ruin the momentum of the event as like a TV spectacle where it's like, all right, pause. Here's a list of like 26 different rules you must understand to know what's going on. Yeah. It's such an unnecessary complication. Honestly. Yeah. Like I think I think the eight events thing as a whole, it's new and that's probably the best thing I could say about it. I don't think it'll be crazy good or anything, you know. Um, obviously we haven't seen it in action, but my initial impression is um having the same like 12 guys do like eight events or six events is like eh, it's okay. I mean, I'm sure they'll be motivated because of the million dollars, but it's like, eh, it doesn't seem like the most entertaining thing, but it's new, so I guess I'll, it's interesting in that sense. Um, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, the last two, that little twist, it sucks. It stinks. And nobody wants to make the obstacle. Why is the obstacle course the most important thing, huh? Yeah, what's the, what is it, what is, even is an what's obstacle so, course? What the fuck's so great about it, you know? It's like, what even is that? What does that even I mean? I don't know. I don't know what that means. Oh, maybe it's like the, you gotta like, uh, stick handle through the pucks. And then, oh, remember uh, that gate that they had at the, the skills competition at one point? You know, it's like they had to, like, you know, lift the puck over the right gate, you know? Remember, it was like a, remember those holes and whatnot? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, it was like a vertical vaguely. column, and then there was, like, three holes in it. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. like, one of them would light up, and you had to get the puck through that hole to move yeah, on. Yeah, I like, remember, shit like I that. remember. That was stupid. Um, but, like, you know, that's the kind of thing they would do. You know what? Too much technology in this skills competition. Too much technology. Yeah, I want. Oh. I'm gonna be. I want to be a boomer about this. Look, give me fastest skater. Give me. Okay. Uh, give me uh, accuracy shooting with those yeah. targets that blow up as soon as a puck hits them. Yeah. Give me hardest shot. Okay. Uh, and and give me that cool one where you have to make the passes into those tiny nets from really far away. And then okay, give me yeah. some kind of like creative breakaway shootout challenge where, uh, you try to, you know, impress people and get votes. That's what I want. That's my skills competition. That's all I need. You know, they basically covered everything you said. Um, the only thing they added is this one-timers challenge. I don't know what the fuck that means. No, but that's what, exactly then, what I don't want is extra shit that I don't care okay. about. I'm I don't want there's only two extra events, per se, that are extra shit. You know? You like the six obstacle things? course? It's just the obstacle course and this whatever this one-timers is, yeah? And then, but I also know that, like, the accuracy shooting is going to be with, like, these weird screens that don't work uh, like they've been doing. Okay. Which completely yeah. it's so you can't have that event without the targets to blow up. You need the targets to blow up. Otherwise, what's the point? So true. So true. All right. 
that's the All-Star game. I'm sure McDavid will win it, and everyone will say he rigged it for himself. No, I, I'm pretty sure some rando is going to win it, because that's always <laughs> how it is. Like, the MVP of the All-Star game is always, like, Jakob Voracek or something. Like, uh, the, right. the, this skills competition, I'll tell you right now who's going to win it. Uh, the winner is going to be um, Sam Reinhart. Okay. And there you have it. You heard it here first. We don't even know if he's going to be in the contest, um, but uh, he's calling it. If not him, Nylander. Nylander, All backed right. by the home crowd. Sounds good. That's that's not a bad pick. Okay. Any other? Do we have any other news to mention? Uh, yeah, we do. We, I have like two other things I want to bring up, actually. It can try to be kind of a long episode, maybe. A lot of news this yeah. week, I guess. The first sure. one, Miko Rantanen is beefing oh, yeah. with his teammate's father. So... Here's what I've gathered from the story. Artur Lekkonen's dad is like a, a hockey commentator in Finland uh, who apparently said Miko Rantanen was very busy during the offseason and so he didn't prepare well for the uh, for the season, which did not sit right with Miko Rantanen. Now, I've heard... Uh, now, I think this might be what has happened. Miko Rantanen actually does do a bunch of like charity work and non-hockey-related activities during the offseason. So he actually was busy with that. Uh, and yet the quote translated into English makes it sound like he was out partying all the time. And mm-hmm. either Miko mm-hmm. Rantanen uh, thought that that's what was implied is that he was partying all the time and was like and didn't like that, or thought that Archer Lekin's dad was criticizing him for doing non-hockey-related charity work during the offseason. And I think either way, Miko Rantanen is right to be a little pissed, even if Archer Lekin's dad was just trying to well, I guess I don't know because I don't know the original quote because and I don't speak Finnish. But I, I, there's not really such a way to interpret it that doesn't come across as Arturi Lekkonen criticizing Miko Rantanen. So. Yeah. Uh, funny beef. Funny beef. Whenever you have like the the, and it's the the parents involved and shit. It's just like, this shit's silly. This shit's yeah, silly. Um, yeah. How the parents yeah, get uh, involved? <laughs> Why are they getting involved? <laughs> Real, if I'm Arturi Lekkonen's dad, I'm making such a strong effort to never talk about any of my son's teammates at any point. Yeah, what's up with that? Just like talk about literally anything else, okay? Yeah, please. And if you if you can't, then maybe you shouldn't be talking. All right, just uh, yeah, because he like he works. This guy works for like a media company. Yeah? He's like a media guy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what's up with that? The real real Finnish Paul Marner moment. You know, Finnish Paul Marner. <laughs> that's right uh, and so yeah that's the dad drama whatever yeah we don't really get dad drama I feel like it was more common back in the day but we don't get it so much these days you know modern times um, yeah well there was it wasn't really drama but like Keith Kutchuk calling the Panthers soft oh uh, yeah remember small that? stuff like that yeah yeah I remember that um, but that wasn't so much drama whenever you do get the drama though that's uh, it's always it's always fucking goofy as shit, and uh, it sure feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Seems pretty goofy, <laughs> silly. Uh, so yeah, that's the uh, Finnish avalanche. Is is Ranton and Finnish? Yeah, yeah, they're both Finnish. Oh, uh, they're both Finnish. Okay, there you go. You have the uh, Finnish Rantanen avalanche. Can figure out. Oh uh, yeah, my bad. Most Finnish name there is. Uh, so true, so true. Uh, but uh, yeah. Lesson learned for Mr. Lekkonen. Don't talk yeah. shit about your son's teammates. And that's finally. That's so hard. Yeah. Team Canada World Junior roster announced 
pretty much. This is exciting. And what I mean by pretty much is that they actually they left a spot open because they are crossing their fingers. Apparently that mm-hmm. one of Zach Benson or uh, Matthew Poitras will be released by their teams. Um, Poitras, I'd be surprised because the Bruins are yeah. actually in a playoff spot. Zach Benson, I think, is a long shot. Um, and I wondered, like, why... Well, I guess it doesn't make much sense for his development for the Blue Jackets to send Adam Fantilli there. But they are really bad also. But I don't think that's going to happen. Anyway, on this team, we have three goalies. Uh, we have the 18-year-old Scott Ratzlaff, the only one who's been drafted, and two undrafted goalies, Matisse Rousseau, 5 for 11, and Saint-Hilaire Samuel. Those are our three names that we're getting to go in, getting to know in net. How's that sound? So you said his last name first? <laughs> oh, yes. It's because I didn't realize that that was his last name. Mm. I, that was my Harley Thomas moment. Ah, Samuel Saint-Hilaire. Embarrassing. Embar- no, embarrassing yeah, no, because Saint Hilaire yeah, yeah. no, no, is not no, no, even okay. a first name. This is my All this right? is not my fault. This is not my fault. I'm on hockeycanada.ca. Wow, wow. I'm looking at the goalies. And the first one, Scott on the top line, Ratzlaff on the second line. Then Matisse on the top line, Rousseau on the second line. Last one, Saint Hilaire on the top line, Samuel on the second line. This is Hockey Canada's fault. I read it like like they posted it. Okay. Alright, we'll we'll let you off easy on this one, yeah? Thank you. Okay. We'll forgive you. Um yeah, on the goalies. I think we, yeah, because we, we knew this would be an underwhelming class. Uh, no one really stands out. Obviously, Ratzlaff's the only guy that got, got drafted, but uh, his save percentage so far in the WHL is on 8.89. So, not great. Um, so, I think it's, it's very much the hot hand, like they've done in recent years, um, to, to figure out who will be the starter. I think it could be really any of them. Yeah. Um, on defense, seven defense, and we got one here with a little bit of NHL experience, Tristan Luno. He was surprisingly made the Ducks out of camp. Um, always good, you know, to have some of that on the on the team in general. Uh, some players in particular I'm excited to watch. Denton Matejchuk. You know, we, I know we were both big fans of him in his draft year, yep. and he's doing quite well in, in Moose Jaw. Will probably be, uh, you know, among the top defensemen, probably the power play quarterback for this team. Of course, I'm very excited to watch Oliver Bonk, my favorite, and uh, not excited but curious to see Maverick Lamoureux. How he's doing? The uh, six foot seven, late first round of the Coyotes, twenty twenty two, who was considered by many to be an extreme reach among the long list of players the Coyotes drafted simply because he is large uh, right. and not, we'll say, offenses in his calling card. So I'm curious to see how how he looks on this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, on offense, we say Jagger Furcus got cut. Did not yeah, make the did. team. Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, uh, from what I was reading, apparently he simply did not look very good in camp. And, you know, and and on one side of things, you know, you have uh, teams should be looking at larger sample sizes. You should look at, you know, the entire year or even dating back to last year to get a sense of what a player is actually capable of. But for it's not like Jagger Furcus was going into camp thinking he was guaranteed to spot. So for someone who's somewhat fringe and camp can make or break, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's uh, ridiculous, mainly because I don't think there's a shortage of what Jagger Furcus brings, which is, you know, high skill, high offense. There is enough of that. Not that, you know, you don't want as much as possible. But if someone's on the chopping block and had a bad camp, you kind of right. have to shrug your shoulders and cut your losses. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, otherwise on offense, you got uh, Macklin Celebrini, only 17-year-old. 
He made the team looking like he's going to be the first overall pick in this upcoming draft. And uh, yeah, excited to see how he will do on this team. Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, he will probably be, you know, among the premier forwards along with, you know, Matthew Savoy. Uh, and only returning player, Owen Beck. If if uh, Colton Dock hadn't gone injured last year and Owen Beck wasn't added, like, right before the quarterfinals, there would be uh, no returning players on this team. Mm. So kind of crazy. Only one. Yeah. And um, he only has three games of experience uh, in this, this tournament. Uh, Nate Danielson is there, you know, that uh, ninth overall stay-at-home, uh, not stay-at-home, two-way forward pick of the Red Wings. Uh, and a couple Leafs prospects in there, too. Fraser Minton, who played a bit in the NHL. And Easton Cowan, you know, who, uh, did he play? I don't think he did. I think he made the team out of camp and then, no, I don't remember. Anyway, he was extremely impressive in the preseason for, for the Leafs. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Connor Geeky's there. Brayden Yeager's there. Matthew Wood, your favorite guy, you know. He's yeah. kind of mid-first-rounder types, you know. There's definitely uh, what the team lacks in kind of, sure thing firepower compared to previous teams uh it makes up for in uh potential for for offense by committee yeah that's right i think that's that's about right the the average is high in terms of uh you know so that's a high good high floor team um and on average they make a, a decent bunch nothing spectacular yeah. i don't think um but yeah it just seems like uh yeah it's up there decent team Decent team. That's exactly what every team wants to be. <laughs> All right. So, that's and the, the games are early because the tournament's in Sweden. So, uh, mm-hmm. the games start at like six thirty a.m. Eastern time. I think most of Canada's games are one thirty p.m. So, okay, got that that's going nice for us. Cool. Yeah. All right. Should this Boxing Day as usual? Indeed. Same Very schedule. Nice. Sweet. All right, so that's the news this week. We have, I guess, who prepared the Washington Capitals? Why was it again? I can't remember why. Uh, because they extended because Clay Stevenson. Oh, that's why. Okay. They're well, fifth string goalie. That's a new contract. To them. Yeah, I think Alex Ovechkin hit fifteen hundred points this week too. So you know, we oh, can who say cares? Season. Uh, no, it's got to be. What the fuck was his name? Clay Stevenson. Clay, Clay Stevenson. Yes. Any relation to Chandler? I don't know because it's a different spelling of Stevenson. It's a V instead it's of PH? Okay. All right. Well, then. I can see how you know. would think Clay and Chandler were both named after the same people, though. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um, same vibe, but uh, not, not related. Yep. Unless they are distantly. So uh, you want I can run through the players. Uh, the players are... We have Alexander Alexiev, John Carlson, Joel Edmondson, Martin Faravari, Nick Jensen, Luke, Lucas Johansson, Rasmus Sandin, Trevor Renrizek, Nicholas Obekobel, Nick Dowd, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Beck Malenstein, Anthony Mantha, Connor McMichael, Sonny Milano, TJ Oshie, Alex Ovechkin, Matthew Phillips, Alexi Protus, Dylan Strom, Tom Wilson, Darcy Kemper, Charlie Lindgren, Max Pacioretty, and Nicholas Backstrom are the 25 people. Did you name the goalies? I think I did. I think I did right before the LTIR guys. Oh, um, really? Darcy oh, yeah, Kemper and Charlie Lindgren. Oh, that was confusing. It went out of order. Anyway, got <laughs> I'm it. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Right. You have your own special order that you do this. Like, defensemen alphabetically, forwards alphabetically, goalies alphabetically, then two more forwards who are on LTIR. 
Yeah, that's how exactly how it went. Yeah, sure, All sure right. was. Okay, I got my player. Do you have yours? Uh, just give me one second while I run it through the randomizer. Randomize. Okay. Yep, I got my player. All right, I got mine, and you won last time, right? Yep. So you, that means you will guess first this time. That's right. Okay. All right. So I think we will go. Let's. I have nothing prepared in terms of questions to start things off. Maybe mm. I'll go by draft pick. Tsk, tsk. Okay. Draft pick. Yeah. Is your player a first round pick? Yes. Okay. Ooh. Actually, I miscounted. That's unfortunate. Anyways, go ahead. Ah, it is. Yeah, they have a lot of first rounders, don't they? And at 14, I thought they had 13. Uh, oh. Well, it happens. I, have a, I have a question for you. Is your player. Sure. Um, is your player between the ages of 23 and 29, including 23 and 29? All right. Uh, my player is within that range, yes. Okay. So goodbye to the two 22-year-olds and goodbye to everyone 30 and up. Sounds good. Your turn. Um... Okay. All right. Is your player's number 43 or higher? No. Boo. Down to eight. Hmm. Was your player drafted by a team that's not the Washington Capitals? Uh, my player was drafted by a team that is not the Washington Capitals. All right, I'm down to six. All right, eight to six. This is, seems uh, unfair. Pretty bad for you. Yeah, it's a rough look. God yeah. damn it. Oh, God, this is terrible. I don't love What's this six, on? though, I'll be honest. It's a bad six. Yeah, okay. That's, 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 I got that going for me, at least. Um, hmm. How shall I sort these? Maybe by last name? Does that work out? Uh how do I want to divide these? That's the question. Maybe like three and five. That would be ideal. So, okay. I'm going to go, um, okay. What is, is your player's, does your player's first name start with the letter D or earlier in the alphabet? First name? Yeah, first name. Wait, sorry, could you ask the whole question again? Does your player's, is, does, is your player's first name start with the letter D or earlier in the alphabet? Yes. Yes, D or earlier in the alphabet. Okay, cool. All right, here's my question. Fuck me. Okay, yep. Uh, hmm. Uh, ooh, never mind. I'm not going to ask that question. Changing course. <laughs> Sorting by draft pick. Do I, No, I don't really like that one either. Uh, oh, do I? Hmm. Oh man, there are no really good ways to sort this. Uh, ooh, here we go. Maybe. Uh, no, once again, not good. Uh, okay. No, never mind. Man, I'm trying to find these because these players were each drafted by a different team, so there are six teams, and I'm trying <laughs> to figure out a good way to split the three teams. And I and I'm coming with uh with none. Uh hmm. 
how about mm, I'm trying to think if there's like one player that has played for three of these teams and none of the other ones and then I can ask a really clever and cool question about it um hmm has all right just hold on I'm going on on cap friendly I'm checking something <laughs> I'm going on cap friendly okay. I'm checking something Oh no, but I don't even like that split actually, so never mind, I'm not doing that. Oh, ah, Jesus Christ. Man, this sucks. This is this is Huh. Alright. Maybe I'll just be boring and I'll sort by age again. Maybe that's that'll give me what I want. Uh Ooh. yeah, honestly it does. Is your player twenty six or younger? No. Okay. I'm down to three. I'm down to five. This is every single turn has taken wrong. Yeah. Starting from my initial mistake, which was counting incorrectly. So, this one's on me. I might as well just take start taking shots, though. You know? It's always the best idea. Always. Always. Is your player Connor McMichael? No. Fuck. Rough. All right. My three I've got left for you. Sonny Milano, Nicholas Abe-Kubel, Anthony Mantha. Is your player Sonny Milano? No. That's too bad. Okay, it is too bad. All right. Oh, boy. What's it going to be? Okay. All right. Is your player... Um, I'm thinking... I'm thinking... Uh, Dylan Strom. No. Rough. Is your player Nicholas Abe Kubel? It's not. Oh no. Okay. I have a one in three shot. Who's your player left again? My, I'm not gonna tell you. Okay. Because my three players are uh, I have three players left, and you have one, and my three players are Alex Ovechkin, Alexander Alexeyev, and Anthony Mantha. Um one stands out particularly strongly. Is your player Alexander Alexeyev? No. Oh, fuck off. Oh, you got someone good. Are you kidding me? Is your me? player Anthony Mantha? Yeah, it's fucking Anthony Mantha. Jesus hey. Christ. Who's your player? Is it Alex Ovechkin? Yes. Oh, man. Brutal. And, and this whole time, I went making my splits assuming you didn't have Alex Ovechkin. And yet, I do. <laughs> I guess that's why it turned out so poorly for you every time. Yeah. You know, that makes a ton of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ah, uh, yikes. All right. Well, One nothing for me. Fat L. All right. Go ahead. And now, uh, we randomize once more. <coughs> yes, we do. All right, I got my player. You have yours? Yep. Okay. Maybe this time I will sort by number. Just to begin with, is your player's number... 39 or less man you stole my question um that's unfortunate but uh to answer your question yes okay or less down to 13 is the way to go all right let me go maybe by first name or maybe by washington draft pick draft team how many do they have one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve Okay, that seems that seems solid. 
or is it 12? Am I just miscounting again? Oh, good. I saved myself from miscounting. Um, yeah. Okay. Was your team drafted by uh, a team that was not the Washington Capitals? Do you mean was my player drafted by a team that was yeah, not the Washington yeah, Capitals? Yeah, exactly. Was your player drafted by a non-Washington Capitals team? Yes. All right. So undrafted players and Washington draft picks. Farewell. Was your player's draft slot an odd number? Mm-hmm. Uh, my player's draft slot was not an odd number. Hey, so that means that it was an even number. And I feel safe asking this question because every player I have left was drafted. So, <laughs> All right. Was your player, see, try this again, a first-round pick? No. Okay. All cool. right. So I've got six players left. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Just the way I like it. Sure. Uh, was your player drafted by a team that moved from the Western to Eastern Conference in the 2013 division realignment? No. Okay. I'm down to three. All right. Um, I So I'm going to ask, was your player uh, drafted in the first five rounds? Yes. Okay, I'm down to three. All right, 3v3. My three players are Nicholas Backstrom, Joel Edmondson, and Nick Dowd. Is your player Nick Dowd? Nope. That's too bad. All right. Okay. Is your player, you know, I'm feeling Nick Jensen. Is it Nick Jensen? No. Fuck. Okay. Is your player Joel Edmondson? Yes. Hey. Okay. All right. So I'm down to uh, two players. Who are they? Nicholas Obey-Kubel and Joel Edmondson. Um, is your player Nicholas Obey-Kubel? Yes. Okay. That's too bad. All right. That's a relief. Wait, so that's the <laughs> second time it came down to you having your own player and another one. Yeah. I guess that's the way it is, huh? Yeah. Oh, boy. Is that one intentional? Of these days, uh... Yes and I I don't know no not really, um just just the way it is. All right, so just the way it I is. I have now clinched the tie. Brutal. And if we tie this last swing. round, then I win. Or if I win, then I win. Obviously. The swing for the fences, as they say. <sighs> well, it'll backfire on you. So, best of luck. Okay. Sure. If you say so. You have your player? Um, no, not yet. Give me one moment. All right, got mine. Brutal. Brutal. And I don't even have home pick advantage, so I'm going to clutch up. Got to clutch up. Clutch up. All right. Come on. Let's get her done. Let's sort by draft year. Ooh. Okay. Cool. Got my question. Was your player drafted in 2013 or earlier? No. Okay. Uh, it's going to be 2014 or later or undrafted. Is your player's no. last name Lindgren or earlier? Uh, yes. Okay. Down to 12. All right. Let me take a look at this group of folks. Okay. I think it's workable. 
it's workable. Let me just sort by. Okay, all right, sure. So I have 13 people, which is unfortunate, but you know, we can make it work. Can Six, you? Six, nine, okay, all right. Uh, does your player's last name start with M or earlier? Yes. Fuck. It's not good. Mm. It's not good. Eight players now. All right. Here's so a exciting. here's a question for you. Okay. Was your player drafted outside of the top thirty? Let's see. Uh, my player was not drafted outside the top 30. All right. Which means he was either drafted inside the top 30 or not drafted at all. Funny how that works. Interesting. Interesting question. All right. Let's go. I've got eight players. Stinky. Um, I got six. Okay. All right. Does your player's last name start with the letter M? No. Ah, oh, fuck off. That's brutal. <laughs> Why? Why? Huh. You having uh, a rough time? This is, yeah. I just have three. I have five. This is uh, not how it's supposed to work, yeah? Yeah, or you said, you said yeah again. It's not how it's supposed to work, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, that's my new bit, apparently. Yeah, that's your new, what's it called? Like a verbal tick or like a crutch word or something? Sure. I guess crutch word is more in writing, but anyway. Um, is your player... Uh, hmm. Is your hmm, how do I? Huh. Very, very. Trying to. I'm analyzing my six players. Okay. Trying to figure out the split I want. All right. Okay. I got mm -hmm. something. Is your player's number fifty or less? Yes. Okay. So goodbye to the big number folks and hello to the smaller number folks. Down to three. Ah. Uh. All right, I'm gonna make my guess now. You know who we haven't said recently? Martin Fairbury. I don't know why we would, but we haven't said his name on game. So, uh, is your player Martin Fairbury? No. Fuck. It's rough. It's so That's exciting. interesting because among the three players I have left, Nicholas Backstrom, yeah. Martin Fairbury, and Lucas Johansson. Sure. Do you have any thoughts about that? Nope. Not, Are you trying to bait you. me into into not picking Martin Fairbury? Do whatever you like, man. Is that what's going on Do here? whatever you like. Man, well, I feel stupid if I get it wrong no matter which way <laughs> I pick now. Thanks a lot. Uh, you're welcome. Is your player Please, Lucas Johansson? Ah, fuck, it is Lucas Johansson. Hey! Uh, was your player Alexander Alexiev? No. Okay, so you had one of Charlie Lindgren, Nicholas Obey-Kubel, or Lucas Johansson? Yes, I did have one of those. Oh, God. Was it, was it Charlie Lindgren? Yes, it was. Oh fucking what the fuck! Wait, so who are your three players now? You had you had Ovechkin in the first round. I had Ovechkin, and then uh, Abe Kubel was mine, right? Yeah, I had Ovechkin, then yeah. Abe Kubel, then Charlie Lindgren. Biggest joke. And you biggest, had biggest you had, joke. Who was your first round? You you just had Lucas Johansson. Who else did you have? I had Anthony Mantha, right? And. and uh, was it Joel Edmondson? Was it Edmondson? Yeah, I think it was. I think, yeah, that's been yeah Edmondson. All right, well, I just I just demolished you two nothing. Fuck! I, I wish I had Charlie Lingard and Alex Ovechkin among my picks. Yeah, well, sometimes you just you can't always get what you want. 
Oh god, I got destroyed today. Hmm. Not a good showing. You sure did. I am now in the lead again with four total really? wins. I thought, and you have I thought I tied it. Oh uh, no, I thought I was in the lead. Oh, no, no, man. we were three you tied it oh, on November fourteenth. And now exactly one month later, I won the Washington round and I am in the lead once again. Can't catch a break. Nope. Terrible. Alright. This is a pretty long episode it turned out to be. Uh which I guess happens when you take two extra days to record. Thanks for listening. Uh, I think we will be back uh, in about two weeks. Um, we'll be you know World Juniors going on. It'll be a 2023 year in review. Enjoy the holiday season. Last night of Hanukkah tonight. Uh, first day of Christmas coming up. And so on. Any final words? Yeah, uh, got a plug. Got a plug. Um, so don't forget to uh, hit subscribe wherever you're at. Thank you for listening. We're very appreciative of your commitment um, to this bit. Uh, and uh, yeah, follow us on Instagram where I've got a meme coming up sometime in the next 48 hours. And uh, that's it. That's it. That's all I've got to plug. Follow us on Twitter if you want. The end. <laughs>